When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here you go. Dedication. That's the nothing personal word of the day. This is a story that you're going to find hard to believe. Maya Moore of the WNBA, first pick in the draft 2011, six-time finalist, plays in Minnesota for the Lynx. She won Rookie of the Year, MVP, five-time All-Star. Guess what? She's now missing her second WNBA season in a row, fighting for the, rele- for the release of a man in prison for 50 years for assault and burglary. His name is Jonathan Irons. She met him, and now she is devoting her life to setting him free. Sort of Kim Kardashian-like. Maya Moore, I compliment you for your dedication. I question whether it's sane. Gritty. Gritty came on board with the Philadelphia Flyers to so much fanfare that he was coronated as the greatest mascot in history after he had been on the scene for like one day. He took social media to a whole new level. He, remember, he's the orange Philadelphia Flyer. He's got this scraggly hair. He would do funny videos. Everyone thought, everyone was jealous, right? Billy the Marlin the Philadelphia fanatic, everybody was losing their minds. Well, no one's getting upset anymore because guess what? Gritty is facing legal problems. Yes, you heard it here, and I hope you're hearing it here first because if you are, it means you're paying attention to other things, which is good. Gritty's a mascot that was doing a photo shoot, they call it. It's not a photo shoot. We send our mascots to season ticket holder events. They do basically 200 to 250 appearances each year. That's what Billy the Marlin does. He did all 81 games, plus all sorts of birthday parties and events and charity showings and parades and anything else. So Gritty was at one of these events, and there is a story that a 13-year-old, it was a season ticket holder event, a 13-year-old was punched in the back by Gritty. This is what the father of the 13-year-old is alleging, that during a photo opportunity, it's not a photo shoot, it's when you send in your mascot because the players don't want to do it, and the mascot's paid to do it. And by the way, under the mascot, for all you kids out there, it's just three 22-year-old interns right, who you pay a tiny amount of money to, you maybe give them a little shtup on the side when they do other events and they represent your organization well. But it's not the same guy every single time. They draw straws. So this one guy had to go as gritty to this season ticket holder event. He goes, you take photos, you line up, you give out the photos. It's a perk of being a wallflower. I mean, a season ticket holder. So apparently, gritty took a photo And then the 13-year-old was walking away, and Gritty took a running start and punched him in the back. I've been around mascots. I've had mascots working for me. I was everywhere. I've seen them with the mask off. I've seen them with the pants off. I've seen it all. They have no interest in going after 13-year-old boys or girls because they want to get out of there as quickly as possible. They're grumpy, they're hot, they're annoyed, and believe me, just because the mascot is smiling doesn't mean the person underneath is. 
So what's the reality? Is this a real legal issue? Well, when I'm brought issues, the first thing I did as president of the Marlins, try to settle immediately. How much money will this take? So I go through and I hear the story. The kid has back pain. How bad? Can he still uh, high school sports, middle school sports? He can. I guess his back isn't that bad. Let's go to the videotape. Is there video? No. Okay. Let me ask Gritty. Hey, Gritty, did you punch a 13-year-old in the back during the season ticket holder event? Don't be ridiculous. Okay. We'll give you two grand. That's it at most. By the way, we're happy to give you free drink coupons, which the Flyers tried. We're, we'll give you a bunch of signed merchandise. Do you know with the Marlins, we had players sign items, and we would keep them for exactly this. Like when you have a customer who complains or a fan whose beer is warm or a fan whose hot dog is cold, if you complain loudly enough and hard enough and you can convince someone in customer service, you're going to get a signed ball. They have an entire stash of signed balls that's used to try to placate people. But in this day and age, the father of this 13-year-old bar mitzvah boy was looking. I don't know whether he was a bar mitzvah boy. I'm just throwing that in there. But he was looking to get a payday. He wasn't satisfied at all with season tickets or with a special appearance or another photo shoot or anything that I would normally try, a signed hockey stick, anything. He wants money. So the question is, does this even make it to the desk of the president? The reason why it does is that when you have a mascot involved, in this day and age, there's a very good chance that the person's going to go public. The person in this case, and I'm not going to mention his name because I don't want to give him one ounce of publicity, but this person, of course, you're Googling it while you're listening and watching. I do appreciate that. But the fact is that this person would not agree to a settlement, claims he doesn't have a lawyer, but does claim that he wants this investigated. Unfortunately, when you go to the police department and you allege any sort of physical touch, the police department detectives generally have a duty to investigate. So now in Philadelphia, they are spending time investigating this event with Gritty. Don't worry, there will not be police officers out with an arrest warrant as though they're looking for Antonio Brown. They're not coming to the Philadelphia Flyers. I was gonna call it the Spectrum, but I'm sure it's not that anymore. God, that makes me feel old. And wouldn't it be awesome if right now I could tell you the exact name of the place where the Philadelphia Flyers play? But I'm not going to Google it, but Coca's going to tell me. And he's furiously searching, wondering why he couldn't find faster that they play in the Wells Fargo Center. So the police aren't going to come and take Gritty out in handcuffs. Not going to work that way. We'll try to settle with the parent. The reason I say two grand is we had a system with the Marlins. And I want to end this segment telling you how I did my system because it was funny. We had cameras everywhere. We're looking. We would have people sue us when they got hit with a foul ball. And we did one thing before we engaged in any sort of conversation with the affected party. We go to the videotape and we look. And if the person who got hit by a foul ball was doing this, for those of you listening, I'm looking at my phone, I'm texting, and all of a sudden a ball comes and hits me, um, that's minus 10 grand off any possible settlement. If you put yourself in harm's way because you were not paying attention, having nothing to do with your phone, or you were sitting in a place where you should have been paying attention and you weren't, or we can't tell for sure that you were hurt because you did not report it to anybody in the stadium or in the ballpark, that's another down five grand. 
These people come and ask for a million and then half a million. They go down. They think that we don't want to spend legal fees. Many, many times they were right. That's the problem with this society where we can't make someone who sues us pay our legal fees if they turn out to have no case. So why is it in Philadelphia, why wouldn't the father of this 13-year-old go after Gritty, go after the Philadelphia Flyers, go after the owners? Of course you would, because you're likely, more likely than not, going to get a settlement. Two grand, three grand, five grand. We called it nuisance. I actually budgeted it every year with the Marlins. We had a budget line item. Not for a utility guy, not to sign a free agent, not to sign amateurs. We had those lines too. But the most fun line was the nuisance line, the CODB line. The CODB line for every sports organization has increased over time. Cost of doing business. In this day and age of social media, of cameras everywhere, people looking for their 15 minutes. Well, my friend in Philadelphia, and your 13-year-old boy who got hit in the back, you are at 14 minutes and counting. You know who I wish would be at 15 minutes? Yeah, but you love it, right? Everybody loves it on the queue. Everybody loves to talk about Scott Boris. I love it more than anything in the world. Scott Boris finds a way to put himself in the middle of everything. And an article came out today in The Athletic written by Ken Rosenthal, who is an outstanding writer. He breaks stories left and right. He has very thoughtful pieces. And he gave a platform today to Scott Boris, who wanted to comment about the sign-stealing scandal. And the problem I have with Scott Boris, remember, I don't begrudge the fact that he won the offseason. I don't begrudge the fact that he's got some of the best players in baseball, and he takes his 5%. I begrudge the fact that he puts himself into situations where he has zero credibility. Zero. He is taking the side of players against management in this sign-stealing scandal, letting all of us believe, fans and members of the media, or anybody who will listen to his nonsensical musings, that players had zero culpability in the sign-stealing scandal. Zero. He believes that, hey, you know what a player should say? I'm doing what my organization's telling me to do. You install this, he's talking about the camera and the monitor in the dugout. You put this in front of us. Coaches and managers encourage you to use the information. It's not coming from the player individually. It's coming from the team in my stadium. It's installed with authority. Scott, here's the problem with your analogy. And then he, drew, he said, you know, how can you say that you're speeding when you're going 55 in a 35-mile-per-hour zone when there's no speed limit posted. If the Astro players were not told the rules to avoid technology for sign stealing, then how can they be held responsible? Hey, no one told me where it's written that I can't kill someone, but I pretty much know it's against the rules. I pretty much know if I'm going 55 on a side street without a posted speed limit, and I can't afford a car that has that little thing in front of me that shows me the speed limit, I still pretty much know when I'm out of control in terms of speeding. Do you think that your players, Scott, your brilliant players, you talk so much about how smart they are, do you think they found it weird when monitors would show up in the dugout, the manager would try to get rid of them and they'd reappear? Do you think it's strange when they heard trash cans banging 
You're arguing that, well, Jeff Lunau and A.J. Hinch, their manager and GM, knew, therefore they thought it was okay. I'm not even going to go to the places where genocide has happened. I'm not going to talk about World War II or the Holocaust because that's real life. That's life and death. That is not sign stealing. But do you think it's a reasonable excuse in any situation to put your head in the sand, Scott, and say, listen, my superiors said it was okay, therefore it's okay. God forbid you actually think that. And you're trying to rehabilitate Jose Altuve? Here's how to rehabilitate him, Scott. Instead of talking about, this was really good. I want to read this to you. This is no different than PEDs, Boris said. The minute we legislated a compendium of specificity, players were on notice. And then the accountability went directly to them. And it should. A compendium of specificity. (laughs) Scott, you know what's funny? When you try to sound smart to show everyone that you're the smartest guy in the room, and then you use phrases like this where people look at you and they sort of smile because A, it's unlikely they know what you're talking about, and B, they very much know that you don't want them to know what you're talking about because you think it makes you sound smarter. Well, I do know exactly what you're talking about. And you're saying that once steroid testing started, any player who tests positive for steroids after knowing that it's against the rules should be held accountable. Interesting. But in sign stealing, because there was never a memo sent by baseball that was read to the players, by definition, their accountability has not started yet. Because there hasn't been a legislation of a compendium of specificity. Yes, there has. Why is it the players were very well aware that they had to get rid of the monitor after every game? How come they lost their mind when they weren't able to do the sign-stealing ways that they were used to doing? When the trash cans weren't being used? There's evidence upon evidence that players knew that they were doing something wrong. Because when you do know when you're doing something wrong, you try to hide from doing it. So, Scott, one day you'll explain to me. Not today. I really don't want to hear it from you today. One day you'll explain why it is that you think your players can do no wrong. Why it is that you can't show a tiny bit of contrition like your players. Instead of lecturing me with your vocabulary that you get out of a thesaurus, why not talk to your own player, Jose Altuve, and give him some nuggets to talk to the media about so he doesn't look like such a fool when addressing this issue? Why not talk to your other clients and figure out exactly what they did know, what their level of culpability was, and then work on a PR plan to help them? Instead, what you're doing is trying to make us read your comments, calling all these writers, trying to get them to write it. You found a willing participant in Ken Rosenthal as well as he should, because when you talk, it's news. Except guess what? People aren't really listening. People aren't listening. There's a lot going on in the world right now where people are not listening and their focus is in the wrong place. Uh, The L.A. City Council. So this is a group of of, uh, individuals. I dealt a lot with city and and county commissioners. That's the same as a council. These are politicians who are elected. They're not appointed, so they have to run for re-election. And they are, uh, they're really at the whim of lobbyists. They're at the whim of donors Now, I know you're all going to say, well, you were a part of all that when you were trying to get a ballpark built in Miami. Take a look around. Everybody's donating to something somewhere. And when people are donating to causes, do you think they're doing it out out of love of the candidate? 
They're doing it to see if there can be some sort of favor. Not a real quid pro quo, but you want to help out someone because one day you may need help. All the people who give the $10, the $50, the $100, all, the, all to Bernie Sanders, the 10 million campaign contributions of a dollar each, however he does it, I think that's great. I think it'd be great for there to be no lobbyists and an absolute campaign finance reform. I think all of it would be fine. Because if that were to happen and every candidate had the same amount of money to use for re-election, we wouldn't have what happened in L.A. the other day. They passed a resolution that may be, and this is from a guy coming out of Miami, it may be the most ridiculous resolution of all time. Do you ever laugh when people get a key to the city, right? It's, you, you, you're so proud of it, right? I've never been nominated to get a key to anything, even my apartment, but a key to the city is this big key, and what happens is you do it to a celebrity and you get your picture taken because all of these council people love to hobnob with celebrities. I learned so do senators and congressmen and everybody else. They love athletes, they love celebrities, they wanna be them. So the LA City Council passed a resolution declaring that the World Series in 2017 and 18 should be awarded to the Los Angeles Dodgers because the Astros and the Red Sox cheated. I want that to marinate. There's a resolution that was actually in a public hearing that actually got voted on, that actually had to be responded to by the commissioner of baseball that says that a World Series should be just given to the Dodgers, just award it as though the Astros and the Red Sox were cheating. Here's the problem. The commissioner said it perfectly. Problem number one. How exactly can you award a World Series to the Dodgers when you don't know for sure that the Red Sox are guilty of anything? They're in the middle of being investigated, but let's assume they are. How can you possibly change the outcome of what happened? You've got players, even for the Dodgers, speaking up and saying, we're not going to take a World Series ring that way. We're not going to raise a banner because there was a forfeit. You can vacate a championship, not that baseball is going to do it, and Commissioner Rob Manfred has said he won't, but you can vacate it and then not award it to anyone else. I've said it on Nothing Personal before. It's like Miss America. You can give it to the backup, but in baseball, you don't do that. So the LA Council, waste of time, I'd like them to focus on much bigger issues. Someone actually took the podium in this public hearing and said, hey, how about the whole homelessness issue we have in L.A.? How about talking about that? God forbid. Well, that's not the only body that's got some work to do. And I don't mean because of eating and drinking too much. I'm talking about Congress. Are you paying attention to what Congress is doing? Yeah, there was an impeachment inquiry, and now it's in the Senate. There's an actual impeachment trial going on. A lot of things go on in Washington. They've got a country to run, a federal government, part of the branch of government called the legislative branch. There's an executive branch, that's the president. Judicial branch, Supreme Court. Then you've got the congressional legislative branch that's made up of the House of Representatives and the United States Senate. Well, a little nugget that I want to give you all today, having nothing to do with nothing personal, but I just want us to think about it. Do you know that the number of electoral votes that a state has equals the number of representatives that state has in the House and the Senate? Which is why every state has at least two electoral votes, because every state has two senators. So the more people you have in the House, the more electoral votes you have, the more powerful your state is. 
So then you vote, midterm elections, it's important. You go to Congress, let's say I'm in Illinois, and I spend a lot of time thinking that I want Bobby Rush to be my representative. I'm in the first district of Illinois, and this is my guy. Well, this is what my guy is doing with his time. On actual paper, he is sending a letter because he believes that Congress should open up an investigation into the cheating scandal. He wants to hold hearings like they held with steroids. Do you remember Rafael Palmero? I think he's the one who said, I don't speak English. And then you had Mark McGuire saying, I didn't come here to talk about steroids. Well, Mark, what'd you come here for? To show us your suit? Just a complete horrific scene for Major League Baseball. Well, now Bobby Rush sends a letter to the Committee on Energy and Commerce, and he believes that the Committee on Energy and Commerce, and he's right, via the Constitution and the Commerce Clause, has oversight over Major League Sports. And he believes that the cheating scandal is so serious and significant that it merits hearings because all the people in the United States look to professional sports. We look to them as role models. We feel as though if you're a Major League Baseball player, you've got to do everything right. And if they're not doing something right, we have to hold them accountable. A two-page letter he wrote. And this is my favorite way to end a letter. I look forward to working with you to address this important matter. Should you have any questions, please do not hesitate to contact me. Sincerely, Bobby Rush, member of Congress. And it's written to the chairs of his committees. Well, guess what? Should you have any questions, please don't hesitate to contact me. And I don't think there's going to be any questions, Bobby. Here's why. There's no one who can look you in the eyes right now and tell you that it is a proper use of either budget or allocation of time to hold congressional hearings on whether or not baseball has treated the Astros harshly enough, whether or not they acted quickly enough, properly in their investigation of this scam. It's outrageous to me. When we elect people into the House, can't we ask them to actually do their job? I don't need them overseeing professional baseball. I'm good with the commissioner. I get to vote with my pocketbook. I don't want to go to games if I'm an Astros fan. I won't go to games. If I want to call the cable company and cancel cable because they're showing Astros games, or I don't want to use products that are basically the products that are the sponsors of the Astros, I'll make my decision and my feeling known that way. I do not need my congressman telling me so I can watch on C-SPAN 7 what it is that baseball did or did not do right do right. Wow, that is a non-Freudian slip. I just said Reich. Did not do right in order to investigate and punish the Astros and soon the Red Sox. I'm worked up. I am. I just, I, I get worked up about politics because I just want them to do what's right for our country and let sports be entertainment. So we talked about the Rockies, and uh, do you remember we talked about we, the GM, Jeff Bridich and Nolan Arenado a few episodes ago? Nolan Arenado, the star third baseman, signed an extension. Now is not going to be traded, but has a beef with the GM. And I, I did a role play of what everybody's doing, and I questioned his great agent, Joe Wolf, and I said, why would you have Arenado make the statements he made talking about the disrespect he has for the organization? It's not a good look for the player. The good news is there's at least one person watching and listening to nothing personal, at least. Because guess what Nolan Arenado came out with yesterday? Yes, indeed. He came out with a statement that should not have been necessary. And here's what it said. 
there has been a lot of stuff going on that nobody knows about. And I was reacting to what was said, and that was out of character for me because I'm very private with my life. The Rockies have been talking to my agent and me this offseason about a number of things that will remain between us. I will not speak on these things anymore. I'm getting ready for the upcoming season. I'm working hard to get better for my teammates and fans. Thank you, Nolan. Do you know what would have been awesome, Nolan, if you didn't actually have to do this statement? So here's how it went, just in case you have a question. The back and forth statements came out. His agent, Joel, called him and said, Nolan, you can't let it be with what you said. They then wrote a statement for him. The reason I know is the grammar is perfect. When you say, this is when you know grammar's good. The Rockies have been talking to my agent and me this offseason. Most people with eyewash and false hustle about their grammar would say the Rockies have been talking to my agent and I this offseason. But that's incorrect. It actually is the Rockies have been talking to my agent and me. So this gets wordsmithed, and then it comes out because it gets sent out through his social media. It's, it makes sure it gets out to everyone. Why is this? Because any organization that wants to trade for Nolan Arenado, they want to know that they're not trading for a pain in the neck. They want to know that he's going to be a team player, get along with management, get along with coaching staff, get along with teammates. If you're going to use your no-trade clause, which he has, and you're going to use it as a sword to get out of your current situation, which you put yourself into because you wanted the $260 million, the last thing you're allowed to do is complain about that management that agreed to give you that money. It makes zero sense. So they stepped up and they got that statement out. The only thing that disappointed me, it was a day late. It should have come out immediately. That's Nolan Arenado for you. It's done. I'm going to review a movie now. And the reason I'm reviewing this one is uh, I'm on a binge of uh, foreign films. It's been a couple days in a row. And uh, I watched Pain and Glory last night. Pain and Glory stars Antonio Banderas. And it is, uh, it's in Spanish. So just like Honeyland yesterday, and then I did Parasite sometime last week, all subtitles. It's got Penelope Cruz in it. Penelope Cruz, you know her, the actress. I think she's married to Javier Bardem, the guy from No Country for Old Men. She was in Blow. It's directed by Pedro Almodovar. He and Antonio Banderas have made seven films maybe in the last four decades. Antonio Banderas is now in his 50s. He got a Best Actor nomination. He plays a famous Hollywood, although it's not Hollywood, but I guess it could be, a famous filmmaker who writes films, directs films. And he has a fight with one of the actors in his film of 30 years ago. And he's trying to make up with that actor. He's got all sorts of medical issues, all sorts of mental and physical ailments. And this is a movie about the pain that he feels as a person and the glory that can come from that pain if you treat it with something other than heroin and other opioids. One way to treat pain is with Heroin and opioids. The problem is that doesn't lead to glory. That leads to more pain. And this character had a revelation. This character. When I say this character, that makes me sound like this is a nonfiction, a fiction film, excuse me. There are reports and thoughts out there amongst movie critics that this is actually autobiographical. And this is partially the story of the director himself and some of his relationships and some of his experiences 
with Chasing the Dragon. I never knew what that meant till I watched the movie. Apparently, that means doing heroin. So, Antonio Banderas plays this afflicted man perfectly. Again, you don't realize that you have subtitles. You've got Penelope Cruz, who plays his mother when he was a little boy. And the entire movie is about 125 minutes of perfect. If it weren't for Joaquin Phoenix this year and his performance in The Joker, my vote for best actor would go to Antonio Banderas. I've never seen him with this range of character. I've never seen him with this range of emotion, the ability to act the way he does. And then I realized I'd never really seen a movie done in Spanish. I've always watched him in English movies. And I wonder if somewhere I had some sort of conflict in my brain or some sort of bias that I couldn't appreciate how good he was. Was it his accent? Was it not the perfect command of the English language? What would be the reason I would have for that? I'm sorry, Antonio. Check out the movie Pain and Glory. Remember, you cannot have glory by itself. If you can get pain, turn it into glory. You got a hit movie and a winning performance. So you want to talk to Samson. First of all, this is the part of the show where I say, please follow me on Twitter, David P. Sampson. Download, subscribe this podcast. If you're listening, you've done it, but please make sure you rate it on Apple or wherever you do podcasts, but on Apple, you can rate it, and then on Apple, you can do a review. If you ask a question on the review part of it, I'm going to do a bonus pod at the end of the month, and I'm going to answer those questions different than what I'm doing right now. Have general questions. I've gotten so many. It's terrific. Thank you. Keep doing it. On Twitter, keep following and keep sending me direct messages. I get some great, great topic ideas. I got a topic idea today, and I call the segment, So You Want to Talk to Samson. People do. Let me give you a hint. When you do So You Want to Talk to Samson, make sure you don't put a P in my name. The P is after the David, before the Samson, not in the, after the Sam and before the Sun. It's Googleable. Somebody sent me some comments that the Bengals made and asked me to address them. I don't know if you're from Cincinnati, whoever sent this, but I can't believe that you have to root for a team that did this because it's scary. The Cincinnati Bengals, this is the topic that I was asked to discuss, and it's a winner. I think you know right now that they've got the number one draft, number one pick in the NFL draft, Cincinnati Bengals. It was tanking for Tua, and now it could be tanking for Joe, tanking for Chase, and there's no chance I even know who could be the third pick, so it's tanking for somebody. The head of development in Cincinnati was asked a question. They were asked, hey, how are you treating the number one pick? Are you looking at possibly trading it? Which direction are you thinking of going? And the member of the Bengals said the following. He was asked to comment, hey, we heard you're not trading the number one pick. And he said, that's news to me and to the Bengals. He then said, I don't know that any decision has been made. We're early in the process. We certainly haven't had any meetings. Say this again. The Cincinnati Bengals with the number one pick in the NFL draft coming April to a casino near you said, I don't know that any decision has been made. We're early in the process. We certainly haven't had any meetings. Can you explain to me why he had a lie? What's the purpose of lying there? 
Duke Tobin, I know you don't meet the media enough or a lot, but that's what the job of your PR person is. Here's what you have to do when you are asked a question by the media. It's sort of actually very simple. I'm going to do it for you, Duke. I'm going to get asked the question. I'm going to answer it. Hey, I understand that you have no interest in trading the number one pick. Well, I'm glad you asked that. I can't say for sure whether we'll trade the number one pick. I do know that I love the position we're in. We have been speaking for many months about what we would do when we have the number one pick. And now that we have confirmed that we have it, we've had meetings to discuss, is it better for our organization to trade that pick or to keep that pick? We're talking about which players. We're weighing the pros and cons of each possible player. We have an incredible scouting department that is giving us all the information. We've got the analytics department looking at this. We've got our development people. We're doing personality tests. We're going to go to the combines. We are going to do our homework in a way that I guarantee we will use this power that we have having the number one pick to the positive, I was going to say not to the detriment, the opposite of detriment of the Cincinnati Bengals and the organization. We work hard every day. This is all we do. We have waited for this moment because we know one thing, and this is what our owner told us. Enjoy having the number one pick this year. I don't ever want to have it again. We run this team not to get the number one pick in the draft. We run this team to win Super Bowls and to win rings and to make the playoffs. And we will do everything in our power, everything to make sure that this is the last time you can ever ask me whether or not we're willing to trade our number one pick. Any other questions? How about the Philadelphia Eagles? God, we've talked about Philly twice in this show. I just violated my own rule. I promised I would not discuss Philadelphia twice. Two teams, Flyers with Gritty, and now we're talking about the Eagles. Well, it's sort of an Eagle-type time of year. I'll never forget when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. How could you ever forget watching the Super Bowl from a marathon course in Cartagena, Colombia, not caring what your time is because you want to watch part of the Super Bowl while you're running your sixth marathon in seven days? That's the last time the Eagles won. Andy Reid, I don't believe, has ever won a Super Bowl. Let me think. Nope. It's his first time back. He took the Eagles to the Super Bowl and lost. His quarterback was a guy named Donovan McNabb, and his receiver, you may remember him, as Terrell Owens. Terrell Owens was sort of a nice guy, Antonio Brown. Never would get in trouble that way. He was just sort of, he was a lot to handle. So, Terrence, ter, 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 Terrell, 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 thank you, Coca, made me say it three times. Terrell Owens and Donovan McNabb are engaged in the craziest fight right now. And I'm trying to understand as former players why you'd ever get into it with a former teammate on Twitter. If you don't agree what someone's tweeting, you all have each other's cell phone numbers. How about a text? How about a call? Why do you have to confront someone in the public forum? Well, Donovan McNabb and Terrell Owens have been going after each other, and now it's beginning to impact the Eagles. Now the Eagles have to get themselves involved. This is part of the Eagles' legacy. Donovan McNabb is claiming that Owens, when he held out, you may remember this, the year after the Super Bowl, he thought he wasn't getting paid enough money. So he decided that he was do his own workouts in his driveway Remember, he did him shirtless, and he was ordering pizza, all sorts of crazy antics, trying to get another contract. 
Meanwhile, his teammates were practicing, getting ready to defend their Super Bowl uh, appearance, trying to get back to the Super Bowl. Lo and behold, the team did not make the playoffs. A total nightmare of a season. Really was one of the things that led to the demise of Reed and the Eagles. And now McNabb is saying, you know what the cause was? Owens. The fact is that Owens was such a distraction to us and all of his crazy partying ways and his antics, that stopped us from being a good team. Donovan, I'm not buying what you're selling, but I'm also not accepting what Owens did in response. In response to you calling him out, which I don't think you should have done, you could have done that privately. What you could have said on Twitter is, what a disappointing end to the Eagles' possible string of Super Bowl appearances. Wouldn't it have been great to have kept our team together and made another run? But things happen. Life happens. And then on the side, talk about Owens. With your teammates, laugh about it. There's no reason to go public about it. But then Owens responds. And he says, really? Donovan McNabb, the guy who's vomited in the huddle because he's been so sick from alcohol poisoning, who has DUIs galore? This is what Owens is alleging against McNabb. Well, the problem with Owens is you better be right because if there's vomiting going on in the huddle, it's going to be caught on camera. And believe me, John Boy's looking for it right now. On top of that, John Boy, for anyone my age, is a guy on the internet who finds videos of stuff after the sign-stealing scandal. He found all these great videos of the baseball games with the sound of the trash can, made his name. He's going to look for video of vomiting in the huddle. A DUI, you don't have to look very hard. DUIs are actually a court of public record. If you are found and arrested, you actually take a mugshot. So I don't think you can make up the fact that he got a bunch of DUIs. If I'm the president of the Eagles, I'm being very clear about something right now. I am calling up both these guys, and I'm saying, listen, there's no upside to this at all. I'd prefer you to stop. But I'm not going to sit on my hands as president of the team and allow my organization to be sullied, even though everyone rolls your eyes when you read this. You're thinking, what a bunch of morons. I get it, but it's still my organization, and I want it to stop. Donovan, Owens, Gnug. Ah, I like this next one. I, I read the uh, yesterday. I think it was yesterday. I was going to talk about it yesterday but I got sidetracked by something else during the show. I was going to talk about the new rules. NFL is trying out a bunch of new rules for this year's Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl is coming up this weekend, and it's going to be interesting because it's one of those things that nobody watches because it's like a flag football game because who wants to tackle, who wants to get hurt? Nobody. So it, it's hard to generate interest. It's been in Hawaii for a bunch of years. Then it was in Orlando. I think it's back in Orlando this year because half our office has gone to Orlando. That's the office at CBS Sports HQ, where people are going, they're getting extra lanyards, and they're going to Orlando. But the NFL is doing something that I love. They're trying out new rules during the Pro Bowl because they don't have a minor league system. The way MLB can try out new rules in the minor leagues and see how they work, see what the impact is. What's the NFL going to call the XFL and see the CFL and say, hey, will you try out our rules? No. Those leagues are trying to beat out the NFL. So the NFL took it upon themselves, and they are working to figure out if these new rules can help. What are the two plays that are fun to watch because you feel like you have a chance when your team does this to possibly get back in the game? The onside kick. 
The onside kick to me is one of the most exciting plays in football. When you're down by two scores and you score and you know you're going to do an onside kick, and if you recover, you still have to score to tie or win. If you don't recover, you know you don't have enough timeouts. You know, I got to change subjects very quickly. I'm sorry. Um, can someone write into me at David P. Sampson or anyone in the studio, anyone anywhere? Could you tell me why in the beginning of the third quarter, when it's third and 10, or second and 15, and the play clock is running down, why you waste a timeout? Why not take the five-yard penalty, save the timeout, which at the end of the game, if you're down, can save you 30 to 40 seconds on the clock? I've never understood that. The probability of a third and seven versus a third and 12 is de minimis compared to the 30 seconds that you lose when you don't have another timeout at the end of a game. Anyway, I've never had a coach, and I've asked every coach, just explain to me, don't let your players use a timeout to save five yards. Take the delay a game, and then get the damn play in. Anyway, thank you. God, that was a semi-Borassian rant. So, they're going to change the rules, onside kick, because they, they made it so no one can ever recover them. So now you watch the NFL, and there's nothing you can do. You know if your team's down two scores, you're done. So the NFL, watch for this this weekend. Love it. After you score, you get two choices. Either give it to the other team first down on the 25-yard line on their own 25, and that's it. No kickoffs, no nothing. Or if you need to get the ball back, no problem. You get to go to your own 25-yard line, and it's fourth and 15. You have to make a first down on a fourth and 15. If you don't make the first down, the other team gets the ball at that spot, which is already in field goal territory. If you do make the first down, you get to keep possession. So it has the impact of an onside kick. I love it. I cannot understand why the NFL will not do this going forward. This is not like an XFL rule where you can go for one, two, or three after a score. This is a legitimate way. If you have fourth and 15, that is not a high percentage play. And the detriment of getting it wrong and not making the first down is having the other team immediately in scoring position. It's brilliant. And even if you make it, you're only on your own 40, so you're not in field goal position. So you'll still have to do a Hail Mary if it's the real end of the game, or you'll have to do a quick drive if you've got a minute left or so. I want to watch the Pro Bowl just to see that because I found it to be absolutely outstanding. All right, prop bets. This is a special Super Bowl edition. Until January 31st show, I'm going to give you a different prop bet. We're going to keep track of everyone. Listen to yesterday's show to get the prop bet. Listen to the day before to get the first one. Today's number three. The third prop bet I want you to do, I love this one. The first team penalized for holding in the Super Bowl. San Francisco's minus 115, which means you have to bet 115 to win 100. Kansas City is minus 125 which means the odds are greater that Kansas City will get called for its first holding. I disagree. Take the Niners. Patrick Mahomes is so much better at getting out of the pocket that I think it's easier for him when he sees things unraveling. He doesn't sort of stay in as a pocket passer and force an offensive lineman to hold in order to delay a sack. They know as an offensive line in Kansas City, Mahomes can just run away from anybody. I'm not sure Jimmy Garoppolo has the ability to do that. For minus 115, I'm taking the Niners, first team penalized for holding in the Super Bowl. Okay, pick of the day. I'm waiting for the. I'm waiting for you to say it. I'm above 500 now for the year. I'm almost positive I haven't lost this week. 
Everyone was so excited about Zion coming back. You know, in the first half, I love Twitter. First half, Zion, what a waste. He's terrible. He looks like he weighs 400 pounds, which, by the way, he does. Does that team have a nutritionist? By the way, they do. Did he listen to the nutritionist? By the way, I doubt it. Is it possible he could look any bigger? You think he's actually 6'9", 285 right now? I would say he's 6'9", three and a hook, at least. And he's only 6'6", on top of that. So to be 6'6", and three and a hay, not good. Why was he taking all those three-pointers in the second half, you may be asking, when he went four for four and everyone declared that he's going to be rookie of the year? No, he's not. You want him driving. You want him near the basket. You don't need him taking threes if you're going to win. We won yesterday picking against the Pelicans, and we're going to win tonight. We're taking the Mavericks. We're taking the Mavericks. Remember, Damian Lillard went for 60 last game. Not going to do it again. Carlos Anthony, uh, Carlos, Carmelo Anthony, you're aware of my view of him. Overrated. I have a wait to see that he won't even be on the team in February. The Trailblazers are a mess. Mavs coming off a tough loss to the Clippers, and they're only giving one over the Trailblazers. This is a critical game. I look for Luka to get it done. Mavs minus one. We're going to win. Wait to see. Our guy Antonio Brown, I told you I wouldn't talk about him again, but I mentioned him twice now on the show. This one's not good. In Florida, we had a whole situation. Cops surrounding his house, arresting him, trying to. He has a warrant out for his arrest. Felony battery. Antonio Brown cannot not get in trouble. He's always in trouble. He has a warrant for felony battery. Wait to see. There's no way the state attorney's office will charge him with a felony. The most it will be is a misdemeanor. And that has nothing to do with anything other than in the DA's office. You're not going to go after a felony for Antonio Brown. It's too big a pain in the neck. Because to them, as they look around, it's business for them. It's nothing personal.